You are now in tune to a 726 studio production. <laughs> yeah, let me stop my shit. Yo, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Planet Josh. And to start things off, I'm going to do my usual of just talking about random stuff, you know. Not necessarily fully random because they do, in a sense, have a relation to the podcast, but not so related to the specific topic of this episode. And so in Belize, we call it like, you know, maybe at a chepe or at a soap in or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I'm going to do it regardless. So last week I had mentioned that I tend to record my episodes at maybe 2 a.m. in the morning. For some unknown reason, that's when I function the best, right? But today I'm recording at 11 p.m. I mean, it's not too far off, but it's just a little bit earlier. And to be honest, I actually had the plan to go and record earlier today but time was off and I had to go and do something else so I had to scrap it and here I am doing it today doing it now so to continue with my randomness this episode I'm talking to you guys minus one tooth today I got a wisdom tooth taken out and surprisingly it's not that painful but at the same time I'm trying my best not to mess with it it's not swollen it's not whatever but yeah this is the first episode with one less tooth so I'm a new guy so I don't know who I am. This might not even be Planet Josh anymore. <laughs> but yeah, the topic I'm going to get into today is about adjusting to a new country. And it's a topic I had planned to get into at some point, but it wasn't necessarily scheduled for this week. I had other plans, but, you know, things didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And that's fine. That's a part of life. It's all about how we adjust when things don't go the way we wanted them to. But yeah, it's cool. And, well, you know, sometimes the good things come when you least expect them. So maybe this might just be a good episode. That's what I'm hoping for. And if you're listening to it right now, that means I think it was pretty good enough or at least good enough for you guys to listen to. I just don't want to throw out anything for you guys to be like, here, listen to this and it's just shit. So, yeah, I think it's probably decent if you're hearing it now. So, okay, back to adjusting to a new country. And I'm talking about this in the context of studying abroad. Because, you know, sometimes people go to a different country for different reasons, whether it's work, schooling, or just something else. I don't know what it may be, but they just end up there. And like I said, when I started this whole podcast, one of the things I want to get into is talking about studying abroad. Like, I have so many different topics I'm going to talk about, basically anything, but one of the primary ones was studying abroad. Well, based on the fact that I am currently studying abroad. So, yeah, when you go to a new country... There's so many different things. It's a whole new ball game. And for me personally, it's not the first time I'm moving. Because, well, as you guys have known by now, if you've been listening to the podcast, I moved from PG or Punta Gorda to the capital of Belize, which is Belmopan. And though I didn't know anyone there, you know, it's still not the same as moving to a new country. Because in Belmopan, eventually I knew... Or I started to connect the dots like, oh, this person is related to someone else I know or related to me or something like that. So like no matter where you go in Belize, you're always going to find something to connect back to you. So though you're not at your home, you're still going to end up feeling at home eventually. Whereas going to a whole new country, you can feel at home, but it's going to take a longer time. That's the way I see it. So now when I came to Taiwan... I did know people before I came here, but it was a very small amount of people. Maybe I can count them on one hand. 
And based on everything, it's not like I'm going to be around these people that frequently. So it's like still all on my own in a sense or with people I've just met and I've just gotten to know. So like when you move to a new country, it can be easy or hard based on so many different factors. And these factors can include things such as what country you go to, the situation you end up going into, your environment, your immediate environment, and also the people that are around you, you know, they impact your experience there. And I would say last but not least, the kind of person you are plays a big role in how you will enjoy your time abroad or how you won't or whatever. And I say that because, well, you know, all of the other factors, it's hard for us to control because we can only control so much. Whereas the one thing we can control for sure is the way we react to certain situations and the way we go about that. And that brings me to the point of being open-minded when you leave your home country and go somewhere else. Because you got to be open-minded to experiencing new things. Everything is new to you. There might be similarities, but I think overall it's new. So you just got to, you know, embrace it all. And I'm not saying like you just take everything that comes to you because you don't have to and you shouldn't. Like, but at the same time, don't be stuck in the mud. Don't be stuck in your ways. Just be open. And you would think that most people that go to study abroad are indeed open-minded, but that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes people look at it from this perspective, like, okay, this is who I am, and they all got to adjust to me. Like, it's crazy. How do you expect the entire country or whatever situation you're placed into adjust to you, an individual, rather than you adjusting to them? Like, it's crazy, but that's the way some people actually think. Like, I mean, this isn't your home country anymore. It's just like when you used to go to school and you do things in a classroom and the teacher will be like, you're not at home. So like, change the way you're acting. So imagine if you're just going from your house to school and they're telling you things like that. Now, how do you expect going to an entirely new country and expect to have it your way? This ain't Burger King. So yeah, moving on. The things I want to get into specifically and what I noticed with this episode when I was like, planning out how I'm going to do it. It's going to be taking a little bit of things from my previous episodes, but hey, I'm not really going to go into it because, well, you know, I already touched certain stuff in those episodes. It just happened that they overlap into this one, but it is what it is. So out of all those things, the first one I want to get into is that of food, of course, because, well, we got to eat, right? We need to eat to stay alive. And to be honest, I love to eat. So let's talk about the food. When you go to a new country, more often than not, the flavors you will find will be different than yours. Now, if you're going to like neighboring countries, you might find similar tastes, you know, right within your region. But when you go to an entirely new continent, or in my case, you come across the world all the way to Asia, you're not expecting to find things that are are all that too similar to what you're used to. And don't get me wrong, you have the stuff that you can find basically any part of the world, such as like fast food, burgers, pizza, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I'm not counting that because those are generic if you want to consider it at this point. I'm talking about the local cuisine. And it's not always for us. Don't get me wrong. I don't even know if I eat a lot of Taiwanese stuff. But you should be open to trying it. And you know, one funny thing is that before I came to Taiwan, someone was like, oh, you got to keep salt with you or, or a bottle of Marie Sharp hot sauce with you or something because 
when you go around, the food doesn't have flavor, it doesn't have salt, it doesn't blah, blah, blah. And well, I'm not going to be carrying around those things with me. I was just like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And to be honest, I've found food that are pretty tasty, if I must say. And well, and no complaints with me from what I eat. There are probably things that I'm not used to the taste of it. I've probably tried them once or twice. I don't want to single out anything to offend anyone if they like it. But <clears throat> sinky tofu. <clears throat> but yeah, um, some things might just be acquired. But I'm not patient enough to acquire everything. But yeah, just be willing to try it just at least once, you know, just to say you did it. And if you didn't like it, fine. If you liked it, well, go ahead and eat some more. And that brings me back to my first day in Taiwan. I don't think I covered this in my Taiwan episode is that when we got here, like I said, it was early in the morning. And after we showered and decided, let's go out to take a walk and stuff. We're like, wait, well, we got to eat something. So next to our hostel was a 7-Eleven and we go in there. And to be honest, when I was in Taiwan for the first maybe couple of weeks, two, three weeks, every time I go into it, or maybe less. Every time I go into a 7-Eleven, it has a weird smell. Well, that's how I saw it at the time. And so it was like, Ugh. but we go in there and there's a lot of microwavable food. And when you come from a country like Belize, more often than not, the food you're getting is fresh, whether you buy it somewhere or you cook it yourself. Very few people eat microwavable food. Very little to none. I can't think of anyone that I know personally that really eats microwavable food in Belize. Well, besides, you know, having leftovers and you put them in a microwave, but that's different, right? So, like, we go in there and we see stuff and it's like, uh, nah. So, would you want to guess what's my breakfast? Give you a little moment to think about it. And you're wrong. Even if you thought about it or not, I'm sure you're wrong because I don't think you would have guessed it right. So the first meal I had in Taiwan was a bag of Doritos chips and a Sprite. Sounds very nutritional, right? <laughs> but at that time, I wasn't really open to trying something at a 7-Eleven. And at the same time, I don't necessarily experiment with food unless someone recommends it to me. Like, hey, you should try this. Or, and no disrespect to my Taiwanese friends and my girlfriend. But when someone that's a Taiwanese recommends food to me, sometimes I'm a bit iffy about it because they have things that they like and I don't like at all. So it's like, hmm, are you sure it's good? But meanwhile, if it's a foreigner, especially someone that comes from the same place as me and they like it, I'm more inclined to trying it. I don't know why. We have a foreigner tongue, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, no disrespect to my Taiwanese people. Okay, so just now my biggest nightmare happened with being outside is someone came in off the elevator and he went to their room and damn, it was a lot of noise. So let me try to get back on track for a moment here. So besides the food is that of the transportation. And like I mentioned back in the Taiwan episode, I really like the transportation because it is pretty convenient and reliable. But it's something you have to adjust to wherever you are. Because, well, you know, different places get by by different means. Maybe some you end up going to some place that you have to get there by traveling on an animal. Or I don't know. I don't know where people end up going, right? So it's like, you know, you just got to adapt to your situation. So as much as I like the Taiwan public transportation system, 
it's sometimes a pain because, well, you know, coming from Belize, almost everywhere we go, unless you're leaving your town or what's not, everywhere you go is pretty close. Maybe within five to ten minutes max or, you know, simple things like that. You want to go to a store to buy stuff, maybe you walk down the street five minutes or something like that. But here, if you want to go to grocery stores or if you want to go to, like in my case, a barber shop or whatever it may be, you have to travel much longer than you're used to. So it's like, (sighs) and to be honest, sometimes that's what makes me not want to go anywhere because it's like, ah, to get to a certain place, you got to go so far or you got to take so long. It's like, you got to take into account all of that before you get to a place or you know, for you to come back, you got to think about the time it takes to travel as well. So it's like, eh, nah, but yeah, I have gotten used to it. But like I said, sometimes it still makes me not want to go out because, well, you know, the distance, but nonetheless, you adjust. So next up on my list of things you have to adjust to is that of the language. And now that is a huge one. Some people might be fortunate to go to English-speaking countries. Some might be fortunate to go to Spanish-speaking countries. Like in the case of Belizeans, a lot of us know English and Spanish. I'm not one of them that knows Spanish. I just know un poquito, you know. (laughs) But yeah, so it is what it is. But you can't do much about it other than probably use Google Translate. And sometimes type in stuff and show them. And one thing I've learned about Google Translate out here, sometimes it's not necessarily accurate. And I think that's in almost every language. It gives you a very incorrect version because I've seen like people translate from Chinese over to English. And I'm like, what are you saying? Like they talk like a robot when you translate it. So it's like it's good and bad because at the end of the day, it helps you still communicate and get get across what you're trying to say because they're like, oh, 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 they still understand it. Right. But like in the sense of Taiwan, I've been lucky that I live in Taipei. So a lot of people know English and they know or they know a very little amount of English, but it's good enough for me to communicate with them in a certain situation. Or you might go to certain stores or places and, well, you know, you have your good old fingers that you just point and be like that, 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 whatever. And most people, like, for example, in the night markets at these different stalls, they tend to have like their little calculators and so for people that they can't, they, they know they won't be able to talk to them in Chinese, Mandarin, whatever you want to call it. They're going to just punch in a number on the calculator and show you. And it's like, OK, here's the money. So it's like, OK, easy breezy. But when I say language, I don't only mean the local language. Like you get to the point where it's like you miss talking your own language. And in the case of Belizeans, sure, English is our official language, but I don't think anyone speaks English outside of a classroom or their workplace or or like, you know, just formal settings. Everyone else speaks Creole. And well, if I'm not around a Belizean, which I really am because I'm not around Belizeans that much, besides maybe like my one or two Belizean friends I have, I don't speak Creole because I got to be speaking to everyone in English. And I don't mind talking English, but it gets annoying or it gets tiring after a while because, well, you know, I can take my shortcuts talking Creole because, well, you know, it Creole very easy to talk. And, well, like, I, I talk it all my life. So, like, you know, it's not in, you know. But you have to adjust. And though it's, eh, thank God my friends that are naturally Spanish speakers, they have learned some Creole word or, or they've begun understanding some of it. So every now and again, I talk a little 
Kringlish, if you want to call it that. Or sometimes I just go straight up sentences in Creole and they kind of understand. And then it's kind of a relief for me in that moment because it's like some things I want to say in English, but it's just so much easier to say in Creole or there's a Creole slang and I'm not necessarily sure how to explain it in English, but I know what it means in Creole. I know the intent behind it. It's just so complicated. And like, I mean, for me, talking English isn't that much, but I can only imagine what it's like for like, you know, native Spanish speakers that have to be talking English a lot because though Creole is messed up and broke, it's basically broken English. So it's similar to English, whereas for Spanish speakers, they're basically speaking an entirely new language. So, you know, whether it's adjusting to the country you're in, to their language, or, you know, misspeaking your own language on a regular, you know, it's a part of the adjusting process. And I'd say last but not least is that of different behaviors. And when I say behaviors, it's like, you know, cultural stuff, or if you want to call it cultural, yeah. So like growing up in Belize, you're used to telling everyone you say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever, bidding them the time of the day no matter who it is, whether it's a stranger or what's not, and especially more so that of adults. And well, you know, it's something I've been doing since I was a kid, and even more so when you have a family that has a business. When customers come in, you just generally greet them the time of the day. And well, like I said, in Belize, almost everyone you meet on the street or whatever you walk past, you bid them the time of the day. But when you come to different countries, it's not necessarily the same. Or like in the sense of Taiwan, I haven't really seen it that much. I guess maybe it's because I'm a foreigner. They probably assume I don't understand any Chinese and they would be right because I understand very little. Or it can be because, well, there are so many different people. Whereas in Belize, it's so small. It's probably people you know in some sort of way. You're mannerly like that. But I've also seen it with like Taiwanese. I see them walk past older folks or just other people and I never hear them say anything so I'm just starting to think like it's more like they don't really do it that much but don't get me wrong I have been in situations where I have told people like you know bid them the time of the day whether it's like the security guards at school when I'm coming up the stairs of course in Chinese or I remember last summer when I was in Sanchong because we live in another dorm for the summer when I was there, I would go to the courts at maybe six in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And when I go there, it's always the older folks that are there at that time. And when you see them, it's like I just hit them with a tao an or something and they reply back with a smile on their face. And it's like, oh, wow, it feels different because, like I said, it's not something that happens that much. So just little things or like, for example, when you're walking in a crowd, oh, damn, and people don't really care if they bump into you. And when I first got here, it was like, what the fuck? Because, you know, I think for anyone in almost any part of the, from the Western side of the world, or almost anywhere, I think, if you bump into them, the way people bump into you here at times, it's like, yo, what's your problem? And I think people more likely at, back at home when they bump into you is because like they're trying to start something. But out here, it's just because, well, they're already used to being in a rush to get where they have to be and or... Like, you know, it's crowded, so that's the only way you can squeeze through is, like, bumping through people. And at first, I took it as disrespect because, well, it's all new to me. And based on my previous knowledge of the whole, that sort of thing, that's why I found it disrespectful. But over time, catch me doing the same shit because, well, hey, I know they don't take it as disrespectful because 
the people you bump have probably bumped someone right before you bump them. So it's just bump, 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 bumper cars, I guess. And the last thing I'd say in terms of behavior is like with your friends, how you greet them. I would say back home, you know, you punch out, you know, people call it buck or whatever, or you, you like, you know, shake hands. I don't know how to call it the right way in English. I know we have like skins and thing like that, but you do that and you all know how to do it. It's a general idea. So now sometimes you would go for like, you know, you're going skins, but they go bump. And it's like, what? Or you go to skins and they shake your hand. And it's like, what's going on here? But yeah, so that part is weird. Or it's just because they do it different. I don't know. I don't really know how they greet one another. Because like when they do it with us, it's like, what? But I've never really seen like my Taiwanese friends greet one another. It's like, hey, and they just walk by or whatever. And like, yeah, it's just different, you know, but it is what it is. And that's who they are. I think I should start playing a game with you guys. Every time you hear me say it is what it is, you do something because damn, I say that shit a lot. And so last but not least, when you're adjusting to a new country, I think one thing that's inevitable is being homesick. Well, now that's if you like your home country. Now, if you absolutely hate it and you don't like anyone there, I'm not sure if you're going to be homesick, but I think in general, at some point you do end up homesick, no matter how much you have adjusted to a new place, no matter how much you like being there. At the end, it's still not what you're used to. It's still not that place that, you know, home is where the heart is. And I think your heart will always be where you're from, where your family is and that type of stuff. And I'm not saying you can't, you know, fall in love with a new country, but you're always going to have some sort of connection back to your country, your own country. And so it takes me back to around winter break of freshman year. I would say my first semester out here in Taiwan was pretty smooth. I was occupied with stuff. I had a lot going on. I was doing different things. So I'd say the time to be homesick wasn't really there. And I was enjoying myself. You know, I was up for the new experience. I was open to it. But when winter break came, like there are things to do, but... You got to have the money to be doing all those stuff. And I'm a broke college student. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be chilling a lot of days. And at one point, I did a whole week of just watching Marvel movies, the whole thing in order, not the release dates, but like the actual chronological order of the stories, because, well, I had missed a lot of the movies. I didn't watch that much. I'm not that much of a movie guy. So I spent a whole week watching movies in my room. And because it's ice cold outside, I'm not going to go out either. So... I'm in there, I'm, I'm watching movies all day long, I eat, and that stuff repeat for a month. No, repeat for a week. And after a while, I start just there, I just get to the point where it's like, I'm just sitting in my bed, or laying in my bed, whatever it may be. I'm just thinking about home, and I miss home. And eventually, we all get to that point. Fast forward to three years later, like completing my third year, I still have moments where I really miss home. Because, well, you know, that's the place I am the most myself, I would say. Or, you know, I'm still myself here, but a different version of myself. And you have your friends that you've come up through the years with and been through a lot. And you miss them. You miss your family. You miss doing all these different things. You miss the food. And it's okay if you miss it. I don't think you'll ever get to a point where you don't miss it. And if you do, well, I guess congrats i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but yeah you always miss home well not always miss home but it will always be something that happens from time to time and that's cool so like i said 
to wrap things up, be open-minded when you come to a new country. Because I have heard of people who have gone back to their countries or that type of stuff because, well, going to a new place just wasn't what they thought it would be or they expected it to be the same way and they brought that certain attitude and, you know, it rubs people the wrong way that are around you and at the same time, you mess up your own experience. So it's like, you just got to be open, like, come on, you can't be expecting this new country to be the same as your own. Because then to me, like, in a sense, what's the point of studying abroad? Of course, obviously to get an education, right? But I think another part and a huge part of studying abroad is that you get a new experience, you know? You grow as a person because, well, these new experiences mold you in a different way than what you would have had back at home. Or maybe you have already molded to the maximum you could back at home. And now this is an extra, you know, change to you expanding your knowledge and that type of stuff so just always be open to new things and that doesn't necessarily go only for studying abroad it goes for anything be open-minded and just go for it accept it you know learn new things and just have fun with it hell like in the words of the philosopher Aubrey Graham I'm here for a good time not a long time you know I yeah that part what he said (laughs) So looking forward to future episodes. I'm going to try to have guests at some point. And well, you know, I have a group of people that I want to have on and they already agreed to it. The only problem is finding the right time that works for both of us. But yeah, look out for that. At this time, it's mostly sports related because when I'm a sports guy and those are the people I know the most, but I'm trying to get from different fields slowly, but we'll get there. So until the next episode, peace. Peace.